What's going on guys? AJ here. I'm going to recap UFC 254. Just my thoughts on the card as a whole. Just go by, you know, every matchup from the first fight of the night all the way up until the main event. Uh, just my quick thoughts, you know, some things that maybe we could see in the future. Uh, not necessarily expectations, but just things that maybe the UFC entertains, um, you know, in terms of like, obviously now we've got a vacant lightweight title uh, due to Habib's retirement. So uh, I think there's a few different ways that that dynamic could work there as to who did, you know, how, how the title could be, uh, you know, held by, by the, by the champ, by the, the next champion. So yeah, just a great card from top to bottom. This was, I think every event is really special in its own way. I, I don't really think like ever any fights really like a bad fight. I just genuinely, genuinely enjoy this stuff a lot. And so, you know, even there, if there's a fight that's like, like clinching for three straight rounds, essentially, like, um, it, it doesn't, <clears throat> it's not boring to me. You know, I just, I feel like there's, there's still, um, uh, entertaining moments in, in this sport, regardless of how the fight plays out. This card in particular, though, was just so special just for a variety of reasons. I didn't, there really hasn't been any card like this. And I kind of feel like that about every card, like it's unique in its own special way, like I said, but this one was just very, very different, like so much different than any other card, uh, which I'll get into. Just a lot of different things went down. And so it just kind of made it interesting from a betting perspective. It was crazy, though, because uh, the, the consensus favorites on every sports book won. We had a draw on there with Alvy Jung, but it's pretty crazy. Like it was formful from like, a, I guess, like a betting perspective in that all the favorites won. But, um, you know, like uh, or favorite, you know, we had some pick em fights. But, you know, from like a, how the fights actually played out. It was, you know, not something I would have would have predicted, really. Um, so, yeah, let's just talk about from the first fight of the night, which is Alexander Yakovlev taking on Yoel Alvarez up until uh, the main event between uh, Habib and Jace, uh, Gaethje. Excuse me. So, yeah, like this this main, this uh, first fight, Alvarez here got another submission. I think he's definitely very skilled on the ground. I think he's improving. I kind of worry though about like still the wrestling, like he still got taken down here and getting a, a sub from guard. It happens in the UFC, but we see it only work so many times. And as you work your way, way up the ranks, which is what Alvarez is doing, he's on a three fight winning streak. So he's only going to get a step up from competition here. Most likely unless there's like a short notice replacement or something like that. Uh, so, but as you work your way up the ranks, those guard subs aren't as likely to happen. You know, we even see it with, you know, higher level submission fighters, you know, so it's, it's a concern that I have with Alvarez long-term, but in this particular matchup, I'm happy for him because he still gets the win. He continues the momentum. It's more confidence for him, and it's another win over a UFC veteran who has historically sh shown to be difficult to submit. Yakovlev had been the distance with Damian Maya. He had been submitted by Pat, uh, Zach Cummings. Zach Cummings a BJJ black belt. But nonetheless, the, the consensus was that Yakovlev is difficult to submit. And Alvarez was still able to submit him there in round one. So that's an impressive thing. That's back-to-back -back submission victories over guys difficult to submit, the previous one being Duffy. So good one for Alvarez. Brandon Maverick versus Liano Jojua. Yeah, Jojua was coming out pretty good there in that the first couple minutes. I still do think that she had a, a better performance striking-wise than, say, she did her previous two UFC fights. But once Marav, uh, Maverick got in her rhythm, she just was controlling the fight, controlling the tempo, higher output. She was having a lot of success with that step and elbow that eventually led to the, the doctor stoppage there in between rounds one and two. And she got the win just due to the, the excessive bleeding. So 
that was a very good win for her. I think that part of the reason why she started slow there in that first minute or so is because it was her UFC debut, you know, UFC debut under the bright lights, uh, you know, the, the adrenaline dump, UFC jitters, whatever you want to call it. That's like a real thing that fighters have openly said that happens, you know? So even, even fighters that are very experienced prior to coming to the UFC, I remember Sean Brady, uh, he said that through the grapevine to Paul Felder and Paul Felder, said it on the commentary like he's a guy who had like 10 fights prior to his UFC debut confident guy undefeated and he still had him so it, it's it's common amongst like these fighters making their you know UFC debut so I think that's why Maverick started a little slow but when she's when she got going she just really didn't stop and had the fight gone on I think that she was just going to control it the rest of the way on so I think she's a talented fighter and I'm interested to see how she performs going forward Dot Hoon Jung taking on Sam Elvey so Take what I say here with kind of like a grain of salt because I wasn't, full disclosure, I wasn't watching every single second of this fight. I was kind of looking away at some parts, so I didn't get the full read on how the fight went down. But my my general thoughts here is that it was very competitive, and I don't necessarily think that the the 28-28 scorecard is warranted because I do I, – round three was actually the round I saw the most of, and I don't think that Jung necessarily did enough to warrant a, uh, a 10-8 in round three. Definitely had a success. He definitely won that round, but 10-8 was a bit much. And rounds one and two were kind of toss-ups to me. You know, like I didn't think that there was like a clear winner either way. Like, and that's kind of like to be expected because as we talked about before with LV fights, like he's very damage reliant, very counter reliant. And if he can't knock the fighter out, his ten his fights tend to be very competitive assuming they go the full, the full distance because he's another guy strong in the clinch, that sort of thing. So he's, you know, his fights for the most part are standing where they're generally lower volume. And I guess it's not a huge concern that, or a, a, not a huge, I guess, surprise that the fight played out competitively, assuming there wasn't a finish on either side, because even though Jung was busier, he was pushing forward a bit more. Um, well, I guess technically the, the numbers here are proving me wrong. Alvy was actually busier. This is one of his busier performances, but optically just him, Walking LV down, LV having his back against the fence was perhaps a better visual in the eyes of you know the the judges that gave him the respective rounds that they did. But uh, yeah, Jung was the only like favorite to not come through on the card. But even then, he it was still a draw of a fight. And yeah, I mean, LV continues to be a guy that he's like just difficult to look good against, like durable, you know, hits hard. So fighters respect his power and his countering ability. And like I said, he's very strong the clinch, strong defensive wrestler. And so it's it's hard to have a lot of success wrestling and grappling against him. So he continues to be a tough test for, for all comers. Um, you know, so with five losses in a row, who see we'll see what happens uh going forward. But uh Jung, uh we'll see we'll see what happens from here on out. You know, I still have my concerns about him with his defensive wrestling and and even striking defense in some regards. So if the right matchup presents itself, who knows? Maybe I even bet against Jung. But uh, for now, uh, it's it's nice that he was able to hang a full three rounds with a, a veteran and, uh, you know, have his moments there, certainly, and, and hurt a very durable Sam Elvey. So <clears throat> there's that. Alex Oliveira taking on uh, Shavkat Rachmanov. This was one I was just – I was wrong on completely. I actually thought – I thought Oliveira was going to win and thought he was going to win by knockout. He just didn't really pull the trigger a whole lot. Like, he just – was content to oblige to like the the methodical type of fight that Shafkat proposed. He he caught Shafkat hard with the right hand there in round one. It seemed to kind of daze him a little bit. It Shafkat like kind of reached for his eye, it caused some damage. And then after that, I was talking with a couple of people on Twitter. It looked as almost 
it looked as though, you know, Shavkat hurt Oliveira against the fence, just his body language, the way he was like kind of covering up and just the visual of Oliveira just wanting to clinch with him the, the rest of that round made me think that Oliveira was like hurt there. Cause he's never really a guy that's just known for like, just I'm going to hold you in the clinch or I'm content to stay in the clinch uh, for multiple minutes. Like when Oliveira gets in the clinch, he's usually taking guys down from the body lock. But I, for what I saw there leads me to believe he was, he was hurt there. And that's not an easy thing to do. We know Oliveira is very durable. He's been uh, in there with some heavy hitters, including Mike Perry, um, and, and others as well. So, um, Shavkat, very good win for him. He just pulled guard basically and got the guillotine choke. And, uh, you know, regardless if it was a guillotine choke or a, or a knockout, you know, he gets his first UFCW and he continues to be undefeated. So, a uh, good one for Shavkat, uh, Rachmanov. Casey Kenny and Nathaniel Wood, this was an awesome fight, just like we all, you know, kind of thought it could be. Just, uh, two, uh, high level prospects. This was another fight, though, to be honest. I didn't watch it, um, you know, minute by minute. So from the, from the glances that I saw, it looked very competitive. I thought like, you know, Kenny clearly won round three with, with the wrestling. Um, still a competitive round though. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, like rounds one and two were close. And that's what you what you typically get when you have two very well-rounded fighters. Um, very solid striking. They could both push high paces like we saw. Both very tough technical offensively and yeah we just got a high level striking battle essentially and you know even though wood lost here like you know it doesn't i don't think the stock goes down casey kenny has only lost in the ufc's to marab davalashvili you know casey kenny's a guy who in his ufc debut on six days short notice went toe-to-toe grappling with ray borg like you know it's not a bad loss by any means so yeah um we'll, we'll see what the future holds bantamweight is just an exceptionally uh, competitive decision. I mean, we've got these, these guys aren't even in the top 15, you know, as of now. And to me, they're very talented. So it kind of just speaks volume as, as to how, you know, talented this division is, you know, we just saw Corey Sanhagen beat Marlon Marais a couple cards ago. I mean, those guys are at the top of the division, but just very solid, very talented, very well-rounded fighters that this division has. And just like lightweight that I'll talk about later on. I mean, <clears throat> it's just hard to move up. You know, even if these guys are super talented, like these two are, it's, it's naturally going to not be easy by any means getting through their work ranks. I mean, obviously it's not easier in the UFC, but just especially Bantamweight, you know, so we'll see what the future holds. I, I think that both these guys are talented and they're already shown to be really solid. And I think that there's reason to believe that they could get even better. They're both very experienced respectively, but neither guy's 30 years old. I think that there's a little bit of room for development on both sides. So that's a good sign for their futures. <clears throat> Stefan Struve taking on Tai Tuivasa. Yeah, Tai, I think we, a, a lot of people acknowledge like he, you know, had a legit shot to win this fight by knockout on the feet, just with the durability concerns on Struve. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to talk about the, the instances. That's more so in my breakdown. So if you want to hear that, you could go back and listen to it. If you want access to it, feel free to let me know. I'll send it over to you. But yeah, like um, Struve, I think, had to get this fight to the ground. To, to win. He just, he couldn't get tied down. I, I still do have questions on, on Ty's defensive grappling and wrestling. It's just uh shooting, get the fight there. And just like halls that we'll get to later on, there's reason to think that a fighter has improved since the last time we've seen him like kind of exposed on the ground. In this case, Tuivasa was against Spivak, but we don't really know until we actually see it. So I'm definitely going to be uh, you know, seeing how Ty looks if he gets put on his back again, because 
there's a chance he might not have improved at all. I understand he's been working at American Kickboxing Academy, which in theory could have helped him, but I still need to see it first. Um, but yeah, I mean, we knew we knew Shai had heavy hands. He's he's a, a aggressive, confident guy, even coming off three losses in a row. And yeah, um, he needed this win to get back on track, and he did just that. So uh, we'll see how how Ty looks going forward. This is another guy who came in the UFC with a lot of hype, got got some few got a few wins in a row, and then uh, was on a losing streak, albeit to competition such as Junior Dos Santos, uh, Bogoy Ivanov, and Sergey Spivak. So yeah, we'll we'll see the developments going forward. But uh, I'm not ready to say like his his defensive grappling and wrestling has improved so much since the last time we've seen him on the ground. We just don't know. It's not, it's not to say, I think it's, it's still bad, but like, let's see it. You know, I'm kind of like a wait and see approach type of thing. So we'll see. Magomed and Kalayev taking on Iwan Kutalaba. No controversy this time. Um, yeah. Magomed just excellent, excellent countering ability there uh, that led to the finishing sequence and just left no doubt. Um, Kutalaba came out more passive than he typically does. And that kind of like methodical style definitely benefited Ankalaev because we've seen, the guy is just very good reading you. Uh, shot selection is excellent, you know, as evidenced by the Dolce Lunga Bula fight, like that kick right out the middle. Um, and this this fight just uh, no different in terms of just <clears throat> the methodical style he, pre he presents. And I'm just happy. The bottom line here for me was just I was happy we got to see these guys in the cage finally fighting against each other. You know, like this fight was scheduled so many times and like, I was just like, is this even going to happen? Like, I, I just was wondering, like, in the sense that not that UFC was going to give up on it, but just in the sense that, you know, like if they kept booking it, booking and booking it like seven times in a row, and then they would, you know, find some, somebody would get booked in the meantime, like they had a short notice replacement way in here, like, you know, cause they had the whole COVID scare on uh, the Kudalaba side with his cornerman. So I, I didn't really know, but uh, it's nice that it actually happened uh, for starters. And then now we got, uh, no controversy this time. So both guys could respectively move on to their, to their respective paths and, uh, and Kalev, Yeah. I mean, he, he's looked very dominant in, in his whole UFC career up until like that, uh, you know, uh, Paul Craig stoppage there with like a, a couple seconds left. If memory serves, like maybe one second left. And, uh, yeah. Um, I think he's very talented. Um, and yeah, I thought, I thought Kudulabo was going to push him a bit more. I thought it was going to be a stiffer test for him, but I mean, he just, show that like no i mean he's really he's really talented so uh yeah i'm looking forward to seeing how he performs in the future uh very very talented guy so uh good for him and then uh lauren murphy taking on lilia shakarova this was another one i thought it was going to be a bit more competitive than it suggested uh round one was competitive uh shakarova had success you know sticking and moving basically um i, I was pretty surprised that murphy wasn't really clinching early on i thought that that would have been a a game plan, but I've got, again, her corner and her, you know, are in there. They, they see some things that we don't see. So, um, you know, they're, they were obviously onto something because it led to a second round submission. Um, very impressive win for Murphy. This is a uh, first stoppage win in the UFC. She almost got a stoppage win last time against Roxanne Mataferi. However, it was by TKO and uh, yeah, she got a submission here and um, you know, you got her, you got Calvillo, you got Andrade, obviously Jennifer Maya is taking on Valentina Shevchenko here. Uh, next month on the next pay-per-view. So we'll see how it shakes out. This this division has, has a lot of contenders up at the top. So we'll see who she gets. I mean, her her win streak is undeniable, no doubt about it. But it's like, 
it's still like a tough spot to say like if she's going to be next in line after Maya because you have Andrade who just defeated Jakagan. You know, Jakagan was number one in the division prior to that fight. Then you had uh, Calvillo defeat Jessica I, who was number one or two, somewhere up there at the top when she came in. So it's almost like a recency bias thing for me from the outside looking in. Like if I were to say like for sure Murphy gets the shot or – but last week we were saying like for sure Andrade should get the shot. You know what I mean? So it's – it, it's kind of like that recency bias feel to me. So I'm not ready to say like who, who gets the shot next, you know, cause I think you can make a case for all three of them. Um, or, or maybe, you know, you have one of them as a, as a backup for, you know, Jennifer Maya taking on Valentina Shevchenko next card. I don't, I don't know if that's the right solution, but maybe something like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, nonetheless, it's a great win for her stoppage victory. And uh, yeah, she continues on with her momentum. Phil Hawes taking on Jacob Malkoon, a very impressive win for Hawes. Um, I think he's very talented. Like I said before, I think he the, the cardio and the durability still kind of remains a question mark. In, like his striking defense in the pocket still remains a question mark. Until I see that actually like addressed, I'm not ready to assume that it is addressed. It's not to say that it can't be addressed or it hasn't been addressed in the meantime. But I, before I'm like ready to say place a bet on Hawes or uh, – pick Hawes with like a lot of confidence. Like I need to kind of see these things out of him because until I see him tested in those respective areas, it's hard for me to just assume that he's just a completely different fighter in that regard. There's reason to think that he's gotten better, but I, I we still don't know, right? We haven't really seen that, that tested. And so um, it was a very good win for him. Uh, this probably helps his confidence. You know, UFC debut, we've been waiting for this. Uh, a lot of people have been waiting for this for a long time. And, and now we finally got it. He did so in very impressive fashion. So um, good one for Hill, Phil Hawes, 18 seconds. Um, it, it was a tough night for performance bonuses in the sense that you had so many fighters that uh, could have gotten them. You know, like I think you can make a case that all these fighters that got finishes and even fighters that in, in fights that didn't finish, like Casey Kenny, Nathaniel Wood, one fight of the night. Um, so that was obviously bonus worthy. But then you also had Cannoneer and, and Whitaker that I'll get to also like fight of the night worthy. So. Yeah, it was one of those cards where it's just uh, like I was saying off the top, just so special for a variety of reasons. And this is why there's just a lot of, a lot of finishes, a lot of fun fights, like, um, you know, fighters such as Murphy that, that haven't had an MO of like finishing consistently in the UFC finishing fights. Like I said, you had Ankalaev and Kudalaba finally getting in there and fighting each other. You, you know, you had, uh, Tuivasa getting back on track. You had, uh, Shavkat, you know, doing something very difficult and hurting Oliver. So there's like these, these, uh, you know, outcomes in fights and, and instances in fights that weren't, <laughs> were something that were just exciting, you know, something that I didn't really see coming. And that's what, why we, part of the reason why we love the sport. It's just the unpredictability of it. The volatility, um, keeps us on our, on our seats or, or, or some of us even like to stand when we watch these fights. So, um, and, and that would be, uh, I'm one of those people. So yeah, um, just a, a great win for Hawes and, and we'll see what happens next. Uh, Volkov taking on Harris actually, <laughs> The pay-per-view that I was watching uh, kind of bugged out, you know, towards the end of the first round in this fight. And, um, you know, I could kind of tell, though, that the tide was starting to turn um, in favor of Volkov more. He just had a lot of success at range um, using his varied striking, crafty striking. Harris had his, uh, excuse me, Harris had his moments just, you know, uh, dangerous, athletic, fast. Um, Volkov just so experienced, so durable, and um, – yeah, he just he couldn't get Volkov out of there early, and then Volkov was able to take over and get the get the stoppage there in the second round. So Volkov is is a guy who <coughs> is a very very talented fighter. I mean, only losses in the UFC to 
Curtis Blades, who's obviously a stud, and you know, despite losing there, he put on a really good effort. You know, giving Blades a lot of resistance with the takedowns, and when Blades did take him down, he would get back up. And winning a couple rounds against Blades, and you know, posing a threat cardio-wise, and just again the resistance, and then the the length and the striking that he has, and the other one being to Derek Lewis, who we know Derek Lewis, former title contender, Volkov was winning that fight up until like the last ten seconds, essentially. Like the dude has shown that he could consistently win minutes, win rounds in the UFC. It's just that uh, you know, obviously, he's not the champ. This division uh, has has Stipe as the champ. Uh, who obviously is a tremendous fighter as well, but uh, it's just more of a testament to how great this division is because Harris was a very, very tough challenge for him and he was still able to, to get the job done. So it was a very impressive performance by Volkov. And uh, I'm interested to see who he draws next. I, it's interesting. I think you could give him Overeem. I think that makes sense because they were booked up against each other like a few months ago, or maybe even a year ago by now, it's losing track of time, but um Overeem or even called out uh, Rosenstruck or JDS from his from his post fight interview. So I think all those fights make sense. I think that the Overeem makes a the over Overeem one makes a bit more sense for me. Um, you know what? Let me actually just check at the rankings while, while I'm recording this. I was going to say because they both have wins over Harris, and uh, <clears throat> you know they're both like veterans, but they're still showing that like yeah they could still compete at a very high level. Okay, so we have Overeem ranked fifth. We have Volkov ranked seventh, uh, Dos Santos sixth, and Rosenstruck third. So that's pretty interesting. Obviously, we have Blades and, and Lewis here fighting next month. Um, let me just double check myself on that. Uh, yeah, on the 28th. That's a fight night. Um, so I guess it would kind of depend on how that fight plays out because if the winner of that fight could face Rosenstruck, or you could have Volkov face Overeem or DeSantos. Personally, I think the Overeem just makes a little bit more sense. Um, but but DeSantos makes sense too. Now that I think about it, you know, you know, DeSantos is ranked above him, but he's coming off a loss, whereas Volkov's coming off a win. And sometimes we see that kind of like meet me in the middle type of uh, matchmaking, if you will, based off uh, the rankings and you know, fighter above coming off loss, fighter below coming off win. So just some kind of like loose. <coughs> Loose logic there. We'll see what transpires, but I, I think all those matchups make sense for Volkov. Obviously, he fought Lewis and Blades, so um, not sure that those rematches right away would be warranted because, uh, again, like he, he fought Blades just this year, and then he fought Lewis uh, a couple years ago. So we'll see how it shakes out. And uh, the co-main event, um, Whitaker just, uh, once again, uh, just tremendous performance. This is two good performances in a row by him. Uh, yeah, Cannoneer, we, we knew Cannoneer had the big power, but Whitaker just did a great job of, of avoiding it, really. I mean, Cannoneer barely even landed any head strikes on him. You know, Whitaker just uses very good uh, reads, footwork, just very defensively sound, just essentially just did a stick-and-move game and was just the better uh, range striker. Cannoneer certainly had had his fair share of success, especially with the low kicks, uh, but Whitaker was just had the more varied attack, uh, was busier, Um and definitely, you know, did some damage there in round three, hurt Cannoneer uh, and, and had him mounted on the ground. So, you know, again, I, I'm not going to argue about the scorecards. I thought it, you know, 29-28 or 30-27. Either way, I think that was – the bottom line is Whitaker won, and I think he he did win this fight. And this is a huge statement for him because, like, Cannoneer, three wins in a row, like, Cannoneer was looking great up until this fight, you know, and he still looked good here. It's just that Whitaker – just had a tremendous performance. So, you know, Cannonier is still going to be a very dangerous guy. Um, 
I think him versus Romero makes a lot of sense, to be honest. Cannonier or Romero, you know, you got two very threatening guys, powerful, strong guys, good athletes. I'm interested in that one. I, I think that would be a really awesome fight night headliner, even if you want to put it on a pay-per-view main card. Like, I, I like that. Or, or Cannonier, uh, Gaslam, you know, I, I think you got a few different options. You got Till in there. I mean, you got you got some options here at middleweight. I, I like it. As far as Whitaker, um, I actually really like what he said in his post-fight interview. You know, he says he's basically just focusing on uh, on his family and, and you know, the holiday season and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, you know, him, him versus Adesanya – probably is what happens next not a, not a sure thing but you know uh based off the fact that this was like a number one contender fight dana said like yeah this is you know the, the winner of canada whitaker is going to fight israel but uh we'll see i mean again israel's like just been out of terror lately obviously he's undefeated uh just like habib who will get to in the next fight so we'll see what israel wants he's israel's kind of in this unique spot where he you know just despite a couple title defenses like he kind of could just ask for money fights right away right like he's already him and John Jones are talking at each other in, on, on Twitter, you know, like I think there's a lot, there's a lot of different options here. And I love that because, uh, you know, it just makes for uh, awesome matchmaking for, for years and, and months to come at years, <laughs> months and then years to come. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's awesome. I think that, you know, Whitaker showed that, yeah, he's not like this. Uh, he's definitely still fighting at a very high level. Um and it's not like it was a bad performance by Cannonier or anything. I just think that, uh, you know, Whitaker showed he's the better round winner. Cannonier had a legit shot to win by knockout. But look, it doesn't happen every time. Um, you know, we see these knockout artists like, uh, you know, like even fighters like Anthony Rumble Johnson, like getting knockouts is like a obviously like a, an efficient way to win because especially if you win early because you, you win by knockout, you don't have to take that much damage. But sometimes you, you can't win every fight by knockout. So what happens after you can't win a fight by knockout? Can you win over the course of three rounds? Cannonier can win decisions, no doubt about it. He beat Kudalaba by decision. But uh, in this matchup against Whitaker, I just personally thought like Whitaker was the better round winner. Um, like I said, I, I acknowledge that Cannonier had a legit shot to win this fight by knockout, but I thought that more than likely um, if Cannonier didn't knock him out, that that Whitaker's superior round winning tools would probably get him the edge on the scorecards. And even then it was still a competitive fight. Like I thought rounds one and two were very competitive, you know, so Whitaker had more success going to the head, but you know, uh, Kennedy had success going uh, with the low kick. So each guy had their, their fair share of success. So not about it. Like I said, I think the only like round that was like uh, super obvious as to who won was round three. And that was Whitaker. And even in that round, Kennedy had his moments. So that guy's so tough. They both are. <clears throat> Main event time, Habib Nurmagomedov and Justin Gaethje. Like, yeah, I mean, this was uh, the, the talk of this fight was Gaethje was Habib's toughest test to date. And, and that's still, you know, it's true, but it just shows like how dominant Habib is. Like, I mean, the dude just engaged. He was doing all the right things, like in terms of like the preparation and the game planning, he knew to like stay off the fence. It's great, but it just shows like how, how dominant and, and the pressure of Habib and just like 29 to no. I mean, you know, 29 to no is a, is a professional uh, MMA fighter. And uh, it's, it's really awesome that we get to, we, we got to see him perform uh, one last time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, 29-0, like, that's awesome. So I'm, I'm super happy for Habib to uh, to win here and then, um, you know, walk away on just an, an excellent, an excellent fighting career. Um, we'll see what happens next with him. You know, maybe he coaches, maybe he just uh, – who knows? I mean, Habib's got a lot of options. You know, he's, he's you know, worldwide uh, – you know, he's, he's known worldwide at this point, you know, so – 
it, yeah, I mean, just an incredible career, 29 and 0. And uh, yeah, just a super impressive performance by him over a very dangerous contender, Justin Gaethje. Like I said off the top, or alluded to rather, like I think, you know, we could see just like uh, I saw some people already post on Twitter, like a lightweight tournament almost. You know, we have Michael Chandler, obviously, is with the UFC now. And we have Gaethje, we have Ferguson, Poirier, McGregor, Hooker, Darius, Oliveira. Like this division is awesome. <laughs> you know, so we have a lot of options to work with as to who uh, should fight for the belt next. I don't think like there's this, you know, again, I, I think it's understandable to have Gaethje fight somebody for the vacant belt. But I, I don't know that it's like a guaranteed thing because it's like, you know, Poirier beat Gaethje. Poirier is ranked number two and... Uh, obviously Connor's been inactive, but Connor's still Connor, you know, he gets big fights, you know, so, and uh, Ferguson's coming off a loss. Yeah. Um, I think there's a few different options you could work with here. I really do. I mean, it's, it's just, I'm looking at the rankings. I mean, it's just like one through 15. It's like, wow. Uh, you know, and yeah, I mean, I think the matchup that makes the most sense, obviously there looks like they're doing Poirier and McGregor. I think the, the matchup that makes the most sense right now is, is Michael Chandler and Ferguson, not necessarily for the belt, but I think that that fight makes a ton of sense because it gives us a, a solid take as to where Ferguson's at. Um, I think because obviously he's, he just went through a lot. He took, he took a lot of damage against Gaethje. Like we know that from just a few months ago. Um, so how is he going to fight against a guy who he has so much more UFC experience over? Yeah, Chandler's been fighting for, for years, and he's very experienced in his own right. But, uh, you know, perhaps the UFC-level competition, the UFC-level co uh, competition gives Ferguson confidence and maybe uh, lights a fire underneath him. And, and I'm never going to question Tony Ferguson's motivation or anything like that, but just in terms of where he's at physically, uh, athletically, things like that. The guy's always a workhorse. He's never he's never going to quit in a fight or anything like that. But uh, it gives us – you know, it, it lets us know where Ferguson's at. And you had Michael Chandler here weigh in as the backup for this main event. Like that in a way, you know, kind of implicitly means he's like at the top. And he already said like when they were interviewing him on the broadcast, he wants to fight a top five guy. Again, you got Ferguson coming off a loss where he was in a war with Gaethje. Like I think that fight makes a lot of sense. Otherwise, maybe Dan Hooker. But uh, yeah, obviously with, with Poirier and McGregor scheduled to fight each other, Gaethje says he'll fight in a few months, I believe is, is what a uh, post-fight interview. So there's a lot of options. I think the tournament makes sense. If the UFC is ever going to do a tournament type of, uh, you know, competition for a belt, I think now is a, a good time. Cause again, you got not only those guys, but uh, Diego Ferreira is also uh, in, in the rankings. Ally Quinta, Benil Dariush, um, and even Islam Makashev, who um, I remember Habib walking over to him in, in one of the press conferences and putting the belt um, in front of him, uh, in front of Islam when he was sitting down and saying like, you know, paraphrasing here, but like, you know, future champ, you know? So I think that that is like interesting now too, because now that, you know, there's not like this, um, there's not like this, uh, I guess, path where like uh, Islam is going to fight Habib in the UFC for a, for a title or anything like that. Like Islam uh, could just progress through the ranks and, you know, he doesn't have to face his, his, his friend, you know, his somebody who's he's worked closely with for so long. So that that's interesting for him too, because Islam has been a guy who, you know, he's, he's ranked number 12th and he's just another guy who's looked very dominant in his rise. But, um, you know, he just hasn't been fighting like top 10 guys recently, but he's, he's another guy where like he talent wise, he's, he's, he's up there, no doubt about it, even in this division. So 
I love this. I love this sport. I love this promotion. I think there's a lot of different options they can work with. And uh, this was, like I said, I, I cannot stress it enough. It was just such a special event um, just for a variety of reasons, just the finishes, the awesome fights that went the distance again, that, that that's uh, only Kenny and wood and uh, Whitaker and Cannoneer. The only two fights on the whole 12 fight car to go the distance uh, were was still awesome. And then, uh, yeah, just, you know, from the prelims on, early prelims on, we opened the fight with the finish. We opened the card with the finish on the early prelims. And, um, or excuse me, there was another decision there with Jung and Alpi, of course. Uh, not not as, uh, you know, fight of the night worthy, I guess, to say the other two. But that was still an awesome fight. You know, that was definitely more up pace than I would have thought it would have been. But uh, it's just a true testament to how awesome this card was. So uh, I'm really excited with how it turned out. And the next card, we obviously have uh, Anderson Silva and his retirement fight taking on uh, Uriah Hall on Halloween, so that's exciting. We get a, a card on Halloween, which I think is is really cool. And uh, yeah, I'll be uh, you know doing doing the usual breakdown for that as well. I've got yeah probably about like half the card researched already. Um, so we'll we'll see exactly how it shakes out. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys too. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, appreciate your support and uh, have a good one. Thank you.